to God's Word. Today, the Bible verses taken from Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word for us. You may take your seat. Would you happen to have another piece of my... Um, This is not good. I had another page of my sermon up here. Um, Did it get... There it is, okay. (laughs) Your bribery did not work. (laughs) Good morning, Alliance International Church. It's so good to... It's, I was just going to say, I, I, bet I feel very rested and relaxed after, uh, after a holiday. Um, thank you for allowing Beck and I to have an opportunity to get away. We went to Thailand to a resort that is specifically tailored toward uh, people in ministry and missionaries. And what an amazing place. Uh, the, the rooms were not opulent by any means, but there were, it was the atmosphere. Everyone there were missionaries or were people who were working in in organizations, and we're all coming pretty tired, and uh, what a place of relaxation and rest, and really coming away rested. I haven't called, I haven't called Lucille Louise all week, so I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good here. You know, I, I was having trouble with names, I think, before I left, but uh, now we're a lot better after this. Uh, we are starting with a new series. We're starting and looking at the 23rd Psalm. This, uh, over the next uh, several months, we'll be looking at this psalm. And while this is a series that I have done before, I've been purposely putting my other outlines aside to say, God, I want to hear afresh and anew from you. One question I have for you. How many of you have ever worked with sheep? That's, okay, one, one. I didn't think we were even going to get that, but that's right, New Zealand. We, I thought maybe some of our Aussies too might have, but I thought as much. In my, in my second church, when we pastored in the western part of the United States, they kind of looked at me with one eye shut like, what are you, pastor, going to tell us about sheep? Because they raise sheep, they raise cattle, they raise horses in that area. And I, my last church that I pastored in Minnesota, here, I thought, well, this is northern Minnesota, but there were people in the church there who worked with sheep. And so I come this morning, and, and we come on kind of the same length, wavelength, because I've never worked with sheep, but I've preached about, about, being, about this psalm many times. But we are God's sheep, aren't we? And David, David speaks this psalm, and this is a psalm that many of us know. 
The 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer are two of the most uh, uh, scriptures that people know by heart. It's It's ministered to our hearts and our souls. And many scholars believe that when David wrote this psalm, he's towards the end of his life. And he's looking back and he's saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He brings me back. He restores my soul. Can't you hear David saying that? This psalm is is such a precious psalm, and we're going to be looking at it over the next several weeks. And one of the things we're going to be seeing is not only the deep love of God, but the deep care of God. It's one thing to know, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I get it that God loves me. It's another, how does that practically work out in my life? Because we can say till we're blue in the face that God loves you, that God cares for you. But what does that look like on Monday and Tuesday when it really needs to work in my life? And that's what we see in the 23rd Psalm. We see not only the facts of who the shepherd is, but we see how much he is valued in our life and how we, how much he is valuable to us as well. This psalm starts and ends with two things. It starts and ends with this, the Lord. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And it ends with what? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Both things. But there is a little trick that's going on that that we won't get to until probably week four or week five of this series. In Hebrew poetry, when they want you to remember, you probably forget all this, but don't forget this fact. In Hebrew poetry, they do things so that you can remember them. This was an oral culture. It wasn't a culture that, that read things, that had things written down. So they needed little tricks and little tools to be able to help them to remember. Many of the Psalms are al- alphabetical. They go in the alphabet of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. The 119th Psalm, every one of the, every one of the sections is, starts with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes in order. This Psalm does something different, though. When they want you to remember something in Hebrew, they put the most important thing right in the middle. And we won't get to that till like week four or five. But in the very middle of this psalm are these words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here it comes. For thou, for thou art with me. Why don't I fear evil? Why can I absolutely trust the shepherd, no matter what it is that I'm walking through? Because he's with me. And he will never leave me. Because as we will see over the next several weeks, the shepherd, it wasn't just a nine-to-five job. It was a commitment. Those sheep, those sheep were their very life. And they cared so deeply for them. So let us begin this journey of seeing the Lord as our shepherd. It begins with these simple words. As David says, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is this Lord that he's talking about? Who is he? The first thing that we see is he's the creator. I can imagine David looking up at the, at the night sky. When we look up at the night sky, if we can see the moon, we're doing well. Once in a while in the last few weeks, we've been able to see the planet Venus has just been below the, has just been below the moon. You've been watching it kind of move around. But that's about all I see. When I walk in the promenade at night, I don't see a lot of stars. But David living where he was in that time, there were no street lights out there. He could simply look up at night into the, into the sky and see all of the stars. Psalm 8 is one of those psalms that he penned as well, talking about the stars. But we read in the Scriptures this about God, and here's where the facts come in. 
He's the creator. Genesis 1.1 says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Barishit bara. Whenever the word bara in Hebrew is used, it is only ever used about speaking about what something God can do. About something only God can do. It is only used three times in the scripture. And every time it refers to something only God can do. And God created. Everything that you see is something that God created. Becca and I went last, uh, last Saturday to Tungping Chow and saw beautiful, uh, what, a, what a beautiful island that is with the water. I couldn't believe the water was so clear over there and all the rock formations. That didn't just happen. God spoke it into existence. Out of what? Out of nothing. Anything you can think of, for those of you who are scientific, your, your minds are going crazy right now. Because God created ex nihilo. He created out of nothing. Anything that you can think of is something, and yet God created it out of His sheer will for His own purposes because He desired to spend time with us. He's the Creator. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, we read these words. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. This is speaking about Jesus. He is the Creator. And as we heard so well last week, Jimmy did such an amazing job. I just want to thank you guys uh, for allowing Beck and I to get away. But while I'm gone, it gives me great, uh, great, uh, great relief to know that the pulpit is being filled with people who bring the Word of God. Pastor Stan, Pastor, or pa- Pastor Stan and Jimmy did a great job last week, as we heard with uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. He says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He is the creator. When David starts out by saying, Who is this? The Lord. Who is God? Who is this Lord? He is the creator. But not only is the creator, but he is one who takes a special interest in you. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep, and he takes special interest in every one of the sheep. As we, as we find out more over these next coming weeks, you'll see the intimate care of the shepherd in every detail of the life. He takes special interest in you. He knows you. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 15, reads this way. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Keep that last phrase. Just keep that in your mind uh, over the next illustration that I share. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. He says, I know you, and I've taken a special interest in you. The next verse goes on. It says, all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. For some of us, the pages in our book are getting a little thin. For others of us, we think that we have more pages in our book than what we really do. God says, I know all the days ordained for you. They're written in, your, you're written in my book. He takes a special interest in you. He is the Lord. He is the creator. But he takes a special interest in you. 
He knows you. Not only does he know you, but he loves you. He loves you. And here's one of those things where you're like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 Pastor, I get this. Oh, but do we? He really loves you. The shepherd is the one that Jesus spoke about who left the 99. He left the 99 to go find the one that was missing. The shepherd would look out over his sheep, and he would count. He knew exactly how many sheep. They all look alike to me. But to the shepherd, he knew every one. And he would count them. And when one was missing, he would go and he would find that sheep. We're going to find out why in a little while. But he would go and he would look for that sheep because that sheep was in danger. God loves you, and God takes a special interest in you. He is the one who leaves what he was doing to come so that we might be rescued. He is the God. He's the creator. He's the God who loves us. He's the God who knows us. And here's where I'm going to make a little change up. I had the God of the instead as your next thing on your, on your sign-up. But he is the God. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do, a, do a punt here. I'm going to throw in a different one. He's the God who sees me. He's the God who sees me. It was Hagar who first said that. You are the God who sees me. Reading a tremendous book lately, I, I caught a glimpse of it at Christmas time, and I ordered the book, and Beck and I have been reading it at night after we do our, our Bible reading after supper. We, we picked this up and began reading a chapter. A lady's name is Audrey Frank. Phenomenal story. The book is called Covered Glory, and it's a, the face of honor and shame in the Muslim world. Highly recommend it to you. She, she writes in the book about a lady who was standing in the doorway in a Muslim country, standing in the doorway of, a, of her home, her abdomen swollen with child, and uh, she knew that the, that the midwife was not going to be able to get there, and her nine-year-old daughter is running around with her eyes this big, you know, wondering how is she ever going to help mom out? And she ran out in the fields and began yelling to the, telling to the people to help. And one older lady dropped her bundle of sticks and came running. And it wasn't long before a baby was delivered. And as they looked at this precious little child, they noticed that this child cleft lip. A cleft lip and a cleft palate. Immediately, the mother, child, and, and the father were whisked out of the village and, and were sent off to the city because they brought shame. They brought shame to the village. You couldn't have a child, a disfigured child like that in, in the home or in the village. Now fast forward about a year. The husband is in a, is in this, is in a village, a Muslim village, and he's found a job, a much larger town where they're able to just blend in. And in this place, he's found a job as a, a, a cart puller. Twelve hours a day, he pulls a cart. And one day, his wife noticed on the, on the wall of a clinic a picture. She couldn't read what, what it was about, but she saw on it a picture. She looked this way, she looked that way, and she took the picture off and she put it into her abaya and left. She didn't know what it was, but she saw the picture. And she took the picture back to her husband and she showed the picture to her husband. And her husband looked at the before and he looked at the after picture and he thought, could it ever be? Unbeknownst to that mother, there was a clinic that was said, there was a group of people coming to fix cleft palates. And when this mother saw that picture on the side of the, side of the clinic, she stole it off the wall because she thought, is there hope for my child? 
And she whispered, this Muslim lady whispered this prayer saying, God, have mercy upon us and have mercy upon our son. That's all that she said. A couple of days later, she is walking down an alley and a Westerner was coming down the alley. He'd walked down the wrong alley. And he was walking down the alley and he, he and his wife had been praying because in this Muslim culture, people, children like that are hidden away. They're not shown. They're not, they're not brought up because they bring shame to the family. And they were saying, God, please, please, you brought us to this country to fix cleft palates and cleft lips. Please, would you show us where they're at? And he was walking down the wrong alley. He looked up, he realized, I'm in the wrong alley. And he was trying to figure out where he was at. And a woman in an abaya and a burqa came walking by him. And he noticed a little baby bouncing on the back of the, of the, of the abaya. And he looked at the little baby. And the little baby had the cleft palate and the cleft lip. But he knew he could not just go up to her and say, Hey, 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 I can help your child. And so he went into a, into a store. And he asked the lady, he said, Please, please help me. Would you please interpret for me? Would you please go get that lady? I am come here to help people with the cleft palate and with the cleft lip. And so she went running after her, and she explained to this lady what, 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 he, was, what he could do. And she said, well, please follow me. And they went home. They went to her home, and what ensued after a few minutes, there was a terse argument inside between her and her husband. And finally she came to the door and opened the door and said, my husband will see you now. And he came in and he explained to, to her and to, to those who now, there were many who were gathered there, what it was that he could do. And he showed them the picture. He brought her the picture, the same poster that she had torn off the wall. And he said, this is what we can do for your child. We will not charge you a dime. We just please give us the, give us the, uh, the, the time and give us the, the privilege of doing this for your child. And she began to weep and she cried out, he, he sees me. God has seen me. God has seen me and he has seen my child. We know that God loves us. We, we know that up here. And we know that God takes special interest in it. But he is the shepherd who sees you. He is the shepherd who knows what it is that's going on in your life. And he takes special interest in you. He is the God who sees you. But David also went on and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd's job was not a nine-to-five job. It was, a, it was an all-day job. It required constant care and constant vigil lookout for, for the sheep. Sheep are not the smartest creatures in the world. I, I had to laugh. I looked online. I, I googled this phrase. How dumb are sheep? Oh boy, it just came back. Oh, sheep are not as dumb as what, what everyone thinks. You talk to people who work with sheep every day, and they will tell you sheep are some of the dumbest animals on this face of the earth. He said, sheep will get them into themselves into problems, and said, sheep really, really need a shepherd. The job of the shepherd was not a nine to five job, it was a constant job. Sheep need food, and they need water at least twice a day. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 reads this way. I am the good shepherd. Jesus said that. And when Jesus says, I am, that's one of the seven I am's that we find in the book of John. He was stating, unca- or he was stating categorically that he was God. 
I am. The very same words that are used there. I am the good shepherd. And he says what? I lay down my life for the sheep. Here again are those facts. Okay, yeah, we get you're the good shepherd. But he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's some background on that that we need to understand. Because we're not used to sheep. We're not used to what it means. Most shepherds, as I've been doing some research on this, most people who watch the sheep were not men. Many of them are women. Even today, many of the people who watch the sheep are, are women. I, I, I found that strange. Ray Vanderlaan of the uh, That the World May Know series that you find, uh, he went to, uh, he did an internship while he was in college, and he could stay with either a Israeli family, a Palestinian family, or a Bedouin family. He chose a Bedouin family. And when he got out there, he said, I want to see how the, how the shepherd lives. And they looked at him, and they looked at one another, and they said, you can't. He said, why can't I? They said, the, shepherdess, or the shepherd is my daughter. She's 15 years old. You can't be out there on your own with my daughter. So they sent the brothers on along. But she was the one who took care of the sheep. And when the sheep were out in the field, sometimes where they would take the sheep, there were enough rocks and things that they would build up they would build up an enclosure around, around where the sheep could go into. But many times when they were out with the sheep, they were moving around. The, the time of, of the rains in Israel is this time of year. The climate in Israel is the same climate as what you find in California. So rainy season starts about November, and it ends very early in February. After that, you get no more rain. So you have a very, very green period, and then you have a very dry period for the next nine months. And that's what, so the shepherd had to constantly be moving his sheep along to find places for them to graze. And so when they would be out in the field, many times, especially at night, what they would use to, to, to enclose the sheep was, was briars. They would get the briars and like um, things with lots of thorns on them, and they would form them up and they would have them at an angle. So that when the sheep came into the fold, the sheep would be in that fold and all the briars would be on the outside. But it would be at an angle. And the reason that they put it at an angle is so that if something tried to jump over, it would jump into the briars. And there was only one way into that, into that fold. And, that fo- and once all the sheep were in, the shepherd would lay down in front of that, in front of that gate. And if anything was going to come to those sheep, it was going to come through that shepherd. And when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. The Jews would have understood immediately what it was that he was saying. But he didn't just lay down his life as a shepherd, but he laid down his life for us. He gave his life for us. And John chapter 10, verse 18 says this: these words. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus, the good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. He laid down his life for us. He is the one who watches over us. He's not just the good shepherd. Hang with me here, folks. He's not just the good shepherd but he is the one who, lay, who watches over us. We read 
We read in Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one who watches over you. For some of you, you've sent your children away to boarding school or to uni in other countries, Australia, the UK, New Zealand, other places, United States. God is the one who's watching over your children. Some of you have children here, but they're not walking with the Lord. Some of you have children back in Philippines. God is the one who's watching over your children. God is the one who's watching over your family. God is the one who's watching over you. In every step that you make, every place that you go, God is the one who is watching out over you. Amen? God is the one who's doing that. Not only is God watching over you, He's the good shepherd who lays down His life. He's the God who watches over us. He's the God who guards you. That's incredible. He is the God who guards you. Because there is an enemy who loved, would want nothing more than to destroy every vestige of the grace and mercy of, the God, of God in your life. There is an enemy who longs to destroy you, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your children through pornography, to destroy, destroy you as men through pornography, to cause you as women to take your eyes off of your husband and to put it onto somebody else. There is an enemy who comes to rob, kill, kill steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. He is the one who guards us. Look at, listen to what his word says in Psalm 91.11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways, to lift you up in their arms, lest you dash your foot upon the stone. He said, I will guard you. It was one of the jobs of the shepherd to guard the sheep. Sheep are absolutely defenseless. There is only one defense that a sheep has, and that's to run. And when one sheep runs off of a hill, every other sheep will follow it off the hill as well. It was the job of the shepherd to guard the sheep because his life was invested in the sheep. Did you hear that? It was the job of the shepherd to guard the sheep because his life was invested in those sheep. God's life has been invested in you. You are precious in his sight. God does not make junk. And God is the one who forms. He said, I knew you. I saw you when you were in your mother's womb. I knit you together. You are loved very, very tenderly by God. Sheep, sheep grew to trust the shepherd as they had no natural defenses. The question is, do we trust God? Here, here's the facts out here. The fact that God watches over us, He guards us, He lays down His life for us. But when it comes to the reality of that, do I trust Him? Do I trust Him with what I'm walking through right now? The shepherd was the one. The shepherd, sheep needed a shepherd. They needed to be led. They really needed to be led. Because sometimes, let me, let me back up. Sheep need a shepherd. Because by nature, sheep will eat anything. They really will. One of the jobs of the shepherd was to go out before the sheep to where it was that they were going to eat to make sure that there were no poisonous plants there. Because the sheep will eat anything. They will drink anything. They will drink out of something that has parasites in it and give themselves worms. They're, just, they're not very smart. It was the job of the shepherd to find out, to find the place where it was that they were to eat and where it was that they were going to drink twice a day. And not just any kind of water. 
As we're going to hear in a few weeks, there's a reason why it says, He leads me beside still waters. Sheep will not drink from water that is moving really fast. They must drink from water that is still. Because sheep have a natural fear of everything. They're crazy. Uh, uh, In addition to that, sheep fight among themselves. Sheep need a shepherd because sheep fight among themselves. We talk about chickens in a a pecking order. You put a new chicken in, it doesn't matter if it's a rooster. You put them in in a new house and those hens are going to go after that rooster. But by morning that rooster has worked things out so that he is the top one in in that coop. The same happens among sheep, what they call a budding order. And when a new one comes in, they want to make sure that you realize, hey, you are the lowest one amongst us all. But the problem comes in is this, is that sometimes you get one that is very mean. And if the shepherd is not watching, that mean sheep will keep all of the other sheep or many of the sheep from eating. And remember, it's the job of the shepherd to make sure that his sheep are strong, that his sheep are healthy. And that shepherd will realize, hey, that one is being mean, that one is taking advantage, and he will make sure that to, to work with that one so that the other sheep can eat and the other sheep can drink. Oh, do we need a shepherd in the church as well? Because are there sometimes that we think more of ourselves than what we ought? And sometimes we can be hard on one another. The shepherd sometimes has to do a work in our lives, doesn't he? To make us realize that you're not as important as what you think. The whole flock is important. The shepherd also put themselves in harm's way. Or the sheep could also get themselves into a lot of trouble. When I said that the shepherd would, would look for the sheep and would go after the sheep, there's something that happens with sheep. Sheep, when they eat, um, sheep, cows, uh, other things, they, they have more than one stomach, and they need to be able to lay down, and they need to, it's not pretty, they need to bring their food back up, chew it again, and so, but they need time to do that. And so when the sheep lays down, and they're, they're doing that, Sheep, if they lay on a hill, can, instead of when they try to stand up, they can go, whoop, and they can go upside down. That's called being cast. Psalm 42, why is my soul downcast? Uh, when, it, when a sheep was cast, they were in a very dangerous position because sheep couldn't right themselves. They were stuck on their back with their feet sticking up in the air. It was a pathetic sight. And the sheep would bleat a little bit, and when the shepherd would look out and he would see, okay, there's 98, there's 99, where's the other one? And the sheep would drop everything, or the shepherd would drop everything. Why? Because if that sheep was cast, it had no way of taking care of itself. It needed the shepherd because when it would bleat, it would not only alert the shepherd, but every other predator that was also around there. Sheep need a shepherd. They also need a shepherd because sheep left to themselves, they will just continue to eat on one spot and eat on one spot until there is absolutely nothing left. And the shepherd, in order to care for his, for his area, needed to make sure that wherever he had the sheep, that once they had grazed it enough, move them on because they needed to come back to that place in a short time. Sheep need a shepherd. We need a shepherd, don't we? Just as sheep need a shepherd, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. 
we need a shepherd too, don't we? We have the facts out here. So what value is, is God to us? I have in my hand a most amazing little device. It has a little Apple symbol on the back, but maybe you have this little device at your house. I love American football, especially this time of year. The, the playoffs are happening, and my team is still in the playoffs. And So on, on Mondays, I've... I told Beck, I said, don't tell me what's going on with the games that are going on today. I want to be able to, on Monday, to turn the games on. And this is from an Apple box or Apple TV or whatever. Amazing. I still can continue to figure out things on this thing, but it's amazing. With this thing, they got a little button on here, and I can can tell it to turn off the TV or turn the volume up or whatever I want to do with it. It has another button here that I can stop it, I can pause it. But then up here, this little spot up here is amazing because I can touch the middle of it and, and it pauses it. And I can go to, the, to this side and, and it rewinds. And many times when I'm watching it, I'm going fast forward and I'm around. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had one of these in our lives? A remote that you could rewind. Go back in your life and say, oh, If I could go back, we all have them. We all have those one or two things. If I could say to you, if you could erase one or two things in your life, I know you know them right now. know exactly the thing that you would do. You would go back and you would erase that. Oh, if we had that device where you could just just maybe press back 13, 14 years, go back to that place. Wouldn't that be nice? Bart Millard in his his song... uh, oh, and I, sorry about that. Bart Miller in his song, uh, Dear Younger Me. He talks about that. He said, he talking about going back to himself when he was a younger person and telling him about the things that he'd done that, he, that were going to happen to him and to, uh, how he needed to be careful of those things. I'm sorry, I forgot to bring that with me here today. But wouldn't it be nice if we had that, that remote that we could go back? Or, or, or how about the pause? I press in the middle of this thing and it pauses. Wouldn't it be nice at times just to, to pause life? You say, all right, I just need to stop for a minute. Just everybody be quiet, just everybody stop, and I'm going to go to sleep for a little while. Wouldn't it be nice to have a pause button to be able to do that? What about fast forward? You're walking through something right now and you're thinking, I wonder what happens. If I were to do this, I wonder, okay, let's press forward a little bit and see what's, what, what happens. Wouldn't that be nice to have something like that? While we say it would, then who's God? I am. We need a shepherd. We need a shepherd to lead us. As much as we say we don't need a shepherd, we desperately do. But to need, but to have a shepherd involves trust on our part. It involves deep trust. Uh, To have a shepherd involves us trusting in God because there's a way that seems right to a man. Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There's a way that appears right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The way I read in the older NIV, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. There's a way that seems right to us. Why do we need a shepherd? 
Because there's a way that seems right to us. There are times that we face things where we say, I don't need anybody's help in this one. This is a dropkick. I know exactly what I should do in this situation. Oh, have we gotten into some mistakes of having done that, huh? Anybody else there with me? We know exactly what we should do in this situation. And we go ahead and we do it and we think, oh, goodness gracious. Now how do I get myself out of this fix? We need a shepherd. Because he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, he said, oh, that is not right. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's verse 5 and 6, excuse me. Trust in the Lord. Why do we need a shepherd? Because God knows the shepherd knew what his sheep needed. Remember, sheep are not the smartest creatures in the world. Sheep needed a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Because we look at things and we say, this is the right way. This is what I should do. And we don't consult God. Or if we do consult God, we can still go with what we want. Because mm, if I go that way, that might be a little bit more painful. That might not be something I want to do. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He will make your path straight. Any of us at that place this morning where we need to know what it is, God? God, what is it that you want? To ask that question of God involves deep humility. David said this in Psalm chapter, chapter 25, verse 4. He says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. It takes humility. It takes humility on the part of us to say to God, God, Show me your path. Teach me your ways. When we lived in Minnesota, Becca's cousin and her husband lived about two and a half hours south of us. And we would go to their home periodically. And there was no easy way to get to their home. Kind of like going to Saikung. There's really no easy way to get there. You've got to really go out of your way to get there. There's no easy way to get to her cousin's house. But about ten miles out from their house you would begin to see these big yellow signs. And the yellow sign said, low bridge ahead. Ten feet, eight inches. I'm sorry I didn't do the math. You guys can do the math. You can Google it later to find out the meters. But ten feet, eight inches was all the higher it was. And so about every two miles, you'd begin to see that sign. And the signs would get bigger. After about two miles closer to this, to this bridge... There was a huge sign, and now it had lights on. And it would say, low bridge ahead, you know, bypass coming up. And so when the cars were, when you got almost on top of the bridge, then you would see this road, and it would say, trucks, lorries over 10 feet, 8 inches high, go this way. And you look at the bridge, you think, there were many times that people just hit the bridge. And my friend, or... uh, Becca's cousin's husband said, when those trucks hit the bridge, it was like a can opener. It just pulled the top right off of, off of these trucks that when they went under, and they get stuck underneath there. Oh, wouldn't you like to be that driver? Who after 10 miles of seeing the signs, low bridge ahead, still thought, oh, I don't need to pay attention to that sign. This truck isn't that high. And now your truck is stuck. And now you've got to call your boss. And you're probably going to be getting a different job as well. Why do we need a shepherd? It takes humility, doesn't it? Because left to our own, we'll say, oh, 
I know what it says, but I don't have to do that. I know what it says, but I'm smarter than that. I know what it says, but it's not talking to me. We need a shepherd, don't we? But it takes humility on our parts to say, God, I need you. It takes trust as well. The sheep came to trust the shepherd. The shepherd loved the sheep. At night when the sheep would come through that gate, the shepherd would be standing there. And the sheep didn't just just run in there. The sheep, the shepherd would stop the sheep. Put his hands over them, feel them. Were there any sores? He would talk to that sheep. I don't know how they do this. They, they look at the sheep and they all look to me the same. But you know, this one here is Matilda. And that one over there is Edith. And that one's Ethel. You know, they, just, they, they, know, they know all the sheep. And the sheep came to trust the shepherd because they knew how deeply he cared for them. It takes humility on our parts to say, God, I need you. And for some of you, you are at that place today where God is speaking to your heart right now about the fact that you need to trust him. You need to, in humility, bow your knee before him and say, God, I need you. And I need you to lead me through this time. It involves humility. It involves trust on our part. David said, he says as well, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he? Is he? Is he your shepherd? Someone has said, the Lord is my shepherd is written on more tombstones than on hearts. It is one thing to say, the Lord is my shepherd. It is another to say, he truly is. He truly is my shepherd. The famous um, actor and orator Richard Lawton was at a Christmas party with a number of other people and at this Christmas party, there were uh, the, the host said, I, I want to just take a few moments, and every one of you, uh, give, give a passage, something that, that means something greatly to you. And each person got up, and this one said a short poem, and that one said a short poem, and Richard Lawton, the famous orator and speaker, stood up, and he began to recite the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And finally, when, when he was done, the people gave a, a polite clap and finished up. And they were just about ready to finish, and they realized, oh, there was one more person that hadn't, hadn't said anything. It was an older lady, the, the aunt of the, of the host, and she had been dozing off in the corner. And so they kind of woke her up and explained to her what it was. And she stood up and she said, with a creaky and with a weak voice, she said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And Richard Lawton said that at the end, he said there was not a dry eye in the room. And somebody said, what was the difference? And he said, I knew the psalm. She knew the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he? Is he? Because he says, he says, my sheep, in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. Three things. They listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
My sheep listen to my voice. The one thing that sheep have going for them is they can remember the voice of their shepherd. And one way we can, you know, we ask the question, is he your shepherd? Are, are, are we listening to him? Right now, right in the midst of what it is that you're doing, God is speaking to you. He's been speaking to you. Throughout this week, throughout this month, throughout this past year, he's been speaking to you. Are you listening to him? He said, my sheep hear my voice, and they listen to me. Toward the end of the 1930s, jobs were extremely hard to find. Any job that opened up would have eight to ten applicants that would come to this job. And there was a job at a, tele, at, a, at a communication company. It was both teletype and telegraph and newspaper. And there was a job opening that came up. And ten guys applied for the job. And when they came into the place where, uh, where, the, where they were to do the application, fill out the application, it was absolute pandemonium, chaos in there. You know, people yelling over here. There, were, there was printing presses going on. You could hear a teletype machine in the background, all this stuff. And they filled out, they went into another room, a quiet room, and they filled out their application. And then they were brought back out into this room that was filled with all of this noise. And they were told to wait, and they said, wait here until somebody comes through that door, and they will invite you in, and then at that point, they'll interview you. And so... All ten of the men sat there in the midst of all of this chaos that was going on. And all of a sudden, one of the men jumped up and went through the door. And the other nine looked at themselves like, what, did, did we miss something here? And the man went into the door, and it was two minutes later, the, man, uh, the, the boss, the one who was doing the hiring, walked out the door and said, the rest of you nine can go. This position has been filled. And they're like, what? What, what, what did we miss? All that clicking and clacking that was going on behind them was Morse code. And the Morse code message was this. If you can understand the message, come through the door, you have the job. And one person was listening amidst all of the chaos, amidst all the noise, was listening and knew what it was that was being said. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they listen to me. Sometimes we need to create quiet space in our lives to where we can hear God. This world is a noisy place, isn't it? But creating that space in our lives, creating that time in our lives where we can hear from God. For some of us, that might mean a day trip to Lama Island by yourself. That's not a, that's not a hard hike, folks. There are some beautiful beaches there. But take your Bible, take a notebook, Take a snack, take a drink, and go walk with the Lord. And spend some time just sitting before him and saying, God, what are you trying to say to me? Listen to the waves crash on on the beach and just listen to God because I know he's speaking to your hearts, speaking to my heart. He said, my sheep, listen to me. He said, I know them. I know them. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 4, and I'm almost done here, folks. He says, you searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Not only does he know the word, he knows the thought and the intent behind the word. 
before it is ever said. We don't fool God. The shepherd knew his sheep, and God knows you, and God deeply loves you. He said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they what? Ooh, oh, 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 they follow. How many times do we read Jesus saying to somebody, follow me, follow me? Is the shepherd saying to you this morning, follow me? You are at a place in your life. Something is going on with your employment, with one of your children, with your health, with your finances. And the shepherd is saying, follow me. Trust me. It will take humility and deep trust on your part to follow him. Because in following him, you're saying, I don't know the way. I don't know what is right. But I know that you are my shepherd. And I know that you care. I know that you're watching out for me. I know that you love me. So therefore, I will not have any need because you said you would take care of all of my needs. Isn't that what David said? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd knew exactly what the sheep needed. Your shepherd knows exactly what you need this morning. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, he knows exactly what you need. And what the shepherd is waiting for, for many of us, for us to say to him, I will follow. I will follow you. Lead me. For some of you, today is the day that you say to him, would you be my shepherd? Because it is one thing to read this. It is quite another to say with absolute assurance that the Lord is my shepherd. Because the end of this psalm says what? And I will Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say that with absolute assurance this morning? That not only is he your shepherd, but you will be with him in eternity as well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When we go to prayer in a few moments, if you have never taken that step to receive Christ, I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to ask you to Simply raise your hand. I want to have a word of prayer with you, and I'm going to follow up with you later. But for some of us, this morning is a, this morning is a place where we need to make a decision. Is he my shepherd? Because our shepherd will allow us to go. He'll allow us to say, okay, if you don't want to follow, then go your way. But he'll be there. He'll come after us. I'm going to let you just quiet down for just a second. Put your stuff away and then come back to me here for just a second. Because he'll allow us. He'll allow us to go our way. That's He gives us a will. But it doesn't please him. And it's one thing to say that, Lord, you are my shepherd. It's another to say, I will follow you where you lead. Because where you lead is the best place for me to be. Where you lead 
you know what it is that I need, and you've already made sure that it's there for me. Amen? Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Precious Lord, thank you again for how you care for us. Because for many of us, we, we say and we know in our hearts this, this psalm. But Lord, in many ways today, you are asking us not just to know the psalm, but to know the shepherd. God, you are the one that watches out over us. Precious Father, I pray for the parents of children today who are not walking with you. Some are here. Some are in other places all over the globe. But the one, your word says, the one who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You are the one who watches over. Lord, for many of us, we stood at a place and gave our children back to you. And God, you promised to care for them. And I pray, precious shepherd, that you would shepherd our children and that you would bring them back to that place of where they are following you. Lord, I pray for the young people in this room. This is a busy season with tests and some who are getting close to the end of their time in in high school. And what's next? Some are facing incredible, incredible pressures at school. And in the midst of it all, God, you stand before them and say, follow me. And I pray that, God, you would give to our young people the ability to trust you, the humility to say, God, would you lead me through this time? And, Lord, you see how for some they are walking through times that are absolutely breaking their hearts. They don't know which way to go. And precious shepherd, you know exactly what they need. Would you come alongside of these, your precious sheep, and would you tenderly speak into their heart how deeply and how much you care for them and how, God, you will be with them. I think of the parents right now, the husbands and wives who are wondering, how is it that we're going to make ends meet? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And God, you are calling us to trust you in a time of leanness. I pray, precious shepherd, that you would provide in ways that just boggle our mind, but just prove again that you are the great shepherd of your sheep. Lord, you are the one that that deeply cares. And I pray, precious Father, for those who are walking through seasons of darkness in their heart. As depression is just washed over them, you are the God who brings the oil of joy for sadness, beauty out of ashes. You are the one that brings You are the one who is the lifter of our heads. And I pray for those who are walking through that dark night of the soul 
that, God, you would be the one that shines the light. Precious shepherd, shine that light. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who guards the flock. There is an enemy who is intent on destroying your flock, your flock here, wherever it might be. And God, I pray for the precious protection of the blood of Christ. You are the shepherd who laid down his life for us, your sheep. And I pray that, God, you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for the hearts of our men and young men as this world assaults them with image after image after image. And God, would you guard their hearts and their minds? Would you give them strength? Lord, you said, draw near to you, and you would draw near to them. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I pray that, God, you would guard your children. Lift them up in your hands, lest they dash their foot upon the stone. I pray for our young ladies and women here. God, things are said to us in our lives. People who should have protected us didn't and leave deep wounds and scars. And you are not only the shepherd, you are our healer. Lord, would you pour the oil of healing into the hearts and over the wounds of our precious ladies here this morning. And God, I thank you that you are our shepherd. And Lord, as we hear these words this morning, you know who your sheep are. And you know whether we are listening to you. And for some of us today, God, you are saying, follow me. For the first time, because we cannot say with assurance, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But God, today we can say that if we make you our shepherd. If you came here this morning and you have never prayed to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and you would like to receive the shepherd today, I'm going to ask you to do that simple thing of raising your hand. I want to pray with you. I thank and praise you, Father, that you are the shepherd of of this flock. You've brought me here to be your shepherd, but God, you are the shepherd. I am not worthy of such a precious flock. And God, would you help? Would you help me? Would you help Pastor Stan, Doug, and the rest of us who lead? God, that we would lead this precious flock with integrity and with deep love for them. God, lay your hands upon each one today. As we leave this place, I pray the blessing and I pray the grace of God and the peace of God over us. And I ask all this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. May your precious shepherd lead you. May you see his deep care and love for you. And may you know his watch care and hand of guard over you all the days of this week. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week.